Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. It is five o'clock in the afternoon and October 9th, 2023 here on the East Coast of the United States. It is eight o'clock in the morning and October 10th in Australia, where our intrepid guest finds us, Professor Jeffrey Sachs of Columbia University, a long way from home, but happily giving us some of his valuable time. Professor Sachs, thanks very much. Uh, for joining us. <laughs> Great to be with you again. What's happening in Israel as we speak, Professor Sachs? Well, I, I'm I'm just reading uh, the the news service reports, so I'm I have no inside information at all. Of course, the situation is uh, is horrific. Uh, this uh, mass uh, horrific uh, terrorist killing on the one side, and Israel uh, now uh, bombing Gaza, one of the most densely populated parts of the world, and saying that it is besieging Gaza, cutting off uh, all fuel, food, electricity, water. Uh, It's, uh, of course, uh, a catastrophe from a humanitarian point of view, a catastrophe from a political and social point of view. Uh, So in horrible circumstances like this, uh, uh, the reactions uh, can uh, compound the disasters uh, many fold. We experienced uh, 9-11 in the United States and uh, ended up launching several wars in response uh, that were also disasters for the United States and for <clears throat> those places affected. So it's really important uh, in these tumultuous uh, and horrible moments to think uh, about consequences and about the future. And who knows uh, whether that's happening right now uh, on any side uh, in the ongoing Israel-Palestinian conflict, which uh, dates uh, back a a century now. Uh, So one could see uh, horror compounded by horror. And that, of course, is is my my fear. Professor Sachs, you're one of the more intelligent people I am privileged to know. And I've been asking this all day and can't seem to get a straight answer. How could Mossad, MI6, and CIA not have foreseen an attack that came from air, land, and sea and involved thousands of human beings? 
look, what we see repeatedly in the upper echelons of government is self-delusion and self-deception. We had uh, our National Security Council uh, uh, lead, Jake Sullivan, uh, say two weeks ago that the Middle East is at the quietest time, I think he said, uh, in uh, in decades, a couple of decades. Uh, This is uh, delusional. it, it's just willful uh, thinking, uh, motivated thinking that you want the situation in reality to be as you want it to be rather than as it is. So I'm not surprised by great errors by badly run governments. Uh, the Netanyahu uh, government uh, is uh, absolutely has divided uh, Israel. Uh, it's filled with the right-wing radicals, as people know, and um, it divided Israel profoundly. How can one be making good judgments uh, in such a circumstance? Uh, What we have in the United States is uh, delusional about uh, foreign policy and foreign affairs around the world. We We declare things like Sullivan declared because that's the way we want them to be, not the way that they are. And this is... uh, actually not so unusual uh, to see such blunders because we think that governments are you know led by uh, um, fact-seeking intelligent people they're led by power hungry people who uh, have a motivated agenda uh, and then interpret the data that they want to uh, see not the data as they come and I think that this is basically what's happened I don't have you know, the deeper uh, uh, minute by minute uh, understanding right. of this. But I think one shouldn't be surprised by a government uh, like the one in Israel right now misjudging profoundly uh, because it's misjudging on many fronts. It's divided the country. You had millions of people in the street protesting against the government just weeks ago. Well, this this is part of the same phenomenon. Does this uh, unite the Israeli people behind Prime Minister Netanyahu, or is his tenure in the Prime Minister's office finally coming to an end? Both. Uh, You know, uh, the immediate responses uh, unite around a leader. The response the moment later is, uh, what a disaster time for this one to go. Uh, So uh, this is the end of Netanyahu, but uh, not in days, but... uh, uh, counted in you know months or uh, a, a short period of time, this is a complete disaster uh, for this government. Uh, it will fall, but in the very short term, the response will be uh, to unite. The Israelis are looking for 155 millimeter uh, artillery shells. We don't have them. We gave them all to Ukraine. How um, symbolic is this of our ability or inability to support two two wars? What we're hearing again, I'm you know only a consumer of this information. Uh, I have no inside track at all. But we're hearing uh, literally uh, this morning reports that shells are being shipped from Poland to. Uh, Israel that were intended for Ukraine for imminent delivery. So, yes, uh, we have been hearing not from 
the U.S., not from NATO until the last couple of weeks, that even before the uh, crisis uh, in Israel and Gaza, that uh, the ammunition stocks were very, very low. And your guests uh, that you've had on uh, have been saying repeatedly that in a war of attrition, uh, Ukraine would lose because the U.S. simply didn't have the stockpiles. Uh, right. So this is what we're seeing right now. Uh, and uh, again, reports on the ground, not that I have any inside information, but as I listen, are saying that Ukraine basically stopped any, almost any kind of operations uh, other than trying to dig in, which they may or may not be successful in doing because they just don't have the ammunition anymore. And they're certainly not going to get it in this context. Okay. So because of its historical relationship with the United States, certainly in the post-1948 era, Israel will go to the head of the line when it comes to uh, whatever um, military equipment we have that we can afford uh, to get rid of. You just pointed out that that's happening in Poland, of all places. Yes, th this is right. Uh, it's, of course, and understandably going to be viewed as a dire emergency. It's uh, got a political priority in the United States, uh, and uh, it uh, has to uh, uh, dawn on uh the Ukrainians that, uh, you know, this is uh, yet another disaster uh, uh, that is compounding what was already a disaster had they accurately assessed uh, the situation. Of course, everybody lies. Everybody uh, 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 propounds uh, false information in this. But those who watch closely have said that the ammunition shortfall uh, has been uh, intensifying for months. Uh, in any event, even before these events, and now these events, uh, you know, spell uh, an end to the supplies of even uh, basic ammunition, much less tensions in other parts of the world. So this is really quite a, 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 a dangerous uh, and remarkable situation. I want to play a clip in a minute of President Zelensky blaming, you can guess who, uh, on the attack uh, on Israel. Uh, but before I do, big picture, do you think an attack uh, of this nature might cause the intelligence community to be a little bit more honest with its superiors rather than telling them what they think they want to hear? Somebody should have told Jake Sullivan and Tony Blinken and Lloyd uh, Austin and eventually the president, things are not good in Gaza. Just because it's quiet doesn't mean it's going to stay quiet. Somebody should have told them Russia is not the ineffective military that you thought it was in the Soviet days. Somebody should have told them Ukraine is so corrupt, they'll sell what we give them to Hamas. Unfortunately, the uh, history is that events like this uh, worsen uh, intelligence rather than improve intelligence. 9-11 uh, was itself a massive intelligence failure, right. but that's not how it was treated. It was treated uh, as the occasion for the launch of the, the GWAT, the Global War on Terror, uh, immediately uh, followed by the war in Afghanistan and then by a war on totally false premises uh, in Iraq. 
uh, in uh, 2003. Uh, in fact, uh, we know that the intelligence was subverted in the case of Iraq uh, quite devastatingly. Uh, basically, it was twisted uh, by the senior politicians. And this is typically what will happen after an event like this. The motivated thinking becomes even more powerful, uh, not uh, a search for the truth, but a search, to, uh, a, an effort to hide the truth and a search for victory. Uh, and victory for politicians uh, means uh, uh, somehow uh, revenge and so forth, not uh, a uh, an accurate understanding of what happened. So I'm afraid that we're not likely to get much of an account. We, and part of the problem is we keep discussing, uh, especially regarding Ukraine, but it's true in general, there's no accountability at all for right. uh, the intelligence uh, services, in part because they're so deeply enmeshed in operations, not just intelligence. This was the fundamental error, in my view, for American democracy in 1947, which was to make the CIA both uh, an intelligence agency and an army at the same time. Uh, and one is politically motivated direction, that's the army, and the intelligence, which is supposed to really provide the information, uh, is uh, utterly compromised by the second function. Uh, and so I think that we're unlikely to see that kind of clarity that you're talking about come out of this. We're likely to see an escalation of violence, which it's not impossible, and I don't mean to predict it because I don't know, and uh, it's very early days, but could lead to, you know, a spreading war in the Middle East, not uh, mm -hmm. only an event. Do you think that the neocons and globalists might lose their appetite for the support of the Ukraine war, particularly in the U.S., um, the Lindsey Graham folks, uh, in deference to the, the cry for help from Prime Minister Netanyahu? Well, they've never shown uh, much. Uh... Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. A, a capacity to... Uh... Uh, judge uh, real capabilities uh, before. So I'm not sure that we will have anything other than uh, demands for escalation across the board, standing strong. Uh, America's uh, reputation now is at stake. Uh, war with Iran, which I think uh, 
uh, Lindsey Graham called for, if I'm not mistaken. I apologize if I am mistaken, but I think in recent tweets, uh, he says that this war should now be expanded. He didn't say our limitation of ammunition requires us now to right, uh, right. Under, understand what to do. I think the tendency of uh, these kinds of politicians uh, is to escalate. Uh, that's really their language. That's their MO. Uh, and I think events like this trigger terrible further events. Uh, and um, that is perhaps where we're headed right now. I don't see cool heads prevailing on any any front. Here's uh, President Zelensky. There's, there's two points from this. This is either yesterday or today, but it's after the Hamas attack on uh, Israel. One is that he says he addressed the foreign ministers of NATO nations. I didn't know that. And I'm going to ask you, what the heck do you think he told them? The other is, take a guess on whom he blames the attack on Israel. Well, I don't have to Today was a very eventful day. Various meetings, and among them those related to the latest international developments, are of particular importance. I held a meeting with the heads of our intelligence, main intelligence directorate, and foreign intelligence service, as well as with our diplomats on the situation in and around Israel and on the overall situation in the Middle East. This is of fundamental importance for us, not only for Ukraine, but also for the entire Europe. According to the available information, a very clear one, Russia is interested in triggering a war in the Middle East so that a new source of pain and suffering could undermine world unity, increase discord and contradictions, and thus help Russia destroy freedom in Europe. We see Russian propagandists gloating. We see Moscow's Iranian friends openly supporting those who attacked Israel. And all of this is a much greater threat than the world currently perceives. The world wars of the past started with local aggressions. We know how to counter this threat. We are preparing appropriate steps. And most importantly, we are defending the need for maximum unity in the world. Today, I address the NATO Parliamentary Assembly, first of all, on the issue of unity. Every state in the world must now choose how it will defend international law. He's got to be terrified that the neocons and the globalists will lose uh, interest in him. I almost can't imagine what he would have said that would have been accepted as rational to the NATO. I've never even heard of this thing. You would know it. The NATO Parliamentary Assembly. Is there a NATO parliament, Professor Sachs? Uh, I, I think it is. Uh, uh, I'm not even sure, but I think it, he means parliamentarians from NATO nations, not a NATO parliament per se. Right. Uh, so it's parliamentarians uh, that uh, are from NATO countries. Oh, <clears throat> the chilling part is uh, basically, uh, you know, it, not quite a call, but a kind of prediction of World War Three. Yes. This is not... Um, this is not out of uh, the possibilities. Uh, we are in a world of violence and a world with an absence of diplomacy. And we are in a world of uh, lots of grievance and lots of weapons. And we're not talking, the United States doesn't talk to Russia. Uh, it uh, barely talks to China. Uh, it. Uh, does not, of course, talk to Iran. 
Uh, and the truth is uh, that there is absolutely the possibility of these wars spilling more and more widely uh, to utter disaster. In fact, it, it is the dynamic of war that it spreads unless there are leaders smart enough to stop it. And uh, the American mindset from World War II is uh, you don't stop it, you completely defeat your enemy. Unconditional surrender is an American idea. The problem is in, a, uh, in, in our current age, it's an impossible idea. That impossibility is not accepted in American ideology and uh, these uh, uh, among these leaders, but we live in a nuclear age where unconditional surrender of the opponent is not possible. We live in an age where technological capacity of warfare is much more spread widely than we like to believe. Uh, we thought you know, Putin could never stand up against NATO weapons. We thought uh, he would just simply back down. We thought a lot of things. <laughs> the Israelis really thought uh, that they were completely secure and had no reason to negotiate uh, with Palestinians on anything. They really believed that a few days ago. Uh, and um, all of that mindset is false in our world today. If we don't have diplomacy, we won't have peace. If we don't have peace, we will have spreading war, actually. Uh, so Zelensky's, it's very chilling to watch that. It's almost like a clip from a movie, not a not a real-life discussion. You know, he looks like a character in a movie, and he was a, a character in a movie. Right. And that was his career. But it looks like something that you would see in a movie theater, not something that you expect to see in real life. And he talks about unity. He means exactly the opposite of unity. Uh, he means our side needs to defeat the other side. So he's talking about uh, the deepest division possible and acknowledging basically that it could mean World War III, but in such circumstances, we need to be united. We, our side. Are you uh, worried that if um, the Israeli defense forces go too far and, and literally level Gaza, and if the uh, United States uh, Navy shells Gaza either directly or through um, jets that are on the uh, Air Force carrier, that um, Saudi Arabia, UAE, Iran, Jordan, Egypt are not going to sit still. Yes, I, I I think that if there is a uh, a flow full blown. Uh, attack on uh, Gaza, uh, there will be a wider war. Uh, Iran and others uh, would probably uh, uh, call for that, and there would be uh, uh, probably some reaction in that way. In other words, a full-blown attack uh, against uh, millions of people trapped in uh, this uh, very, very small uh, extremely densely settled enclave um, would be uh, a prelude uh, quite possibly to a wider war. Uh, Secretary General Guterres uh, said today, uh, he 
called on Israel to uh, abide by international law, uh, by international humanitarian law, by international law of warfare. Uh, he said that uh, besieging uh, uh, Gaza uh, would, cutting off uh, all food, uh, water, power, uh, would uh, violate uh, international law. If I uh, heard correctly, uh, um, the quick uh, um, tape, remember, I'm uh, halfway around the world, so I'm uh, just uh, hearing parcels of information. But clearly, the Secretary General warned specifically about that kind of overreaction, and not only that it would be uh, a violation, a deep violation of international law and a humanitarian catastrophe. But I think that uh, we have to judge that it could absolutely lead to uh, a wider war. Here, here is uh, the UN Secretary General uh, in New York earlier today. With a 56-year-long occupation and no political end in sight, it's time to end this vicious circle of bloodshed, hatred, and polarization. Israel must see its legitimate needs for security materialized, and Palestinians must see a clear perspective for the establishment of their own state realized. Only a negotiated peace that fulfills the legitimate national aspirations of Palestinians and Israelis, together with their security alike, the long-held vision of a two-state solution in line with the United Nations resolutions, international law, and previous agreements, can bring long-term stability to the people of this land and the wider Middle East region. Know him. You've advised him. You talk to him just like you and I are talking now without the cameras and, uh, and microphones. Is there little more he can do than make public statements? You know, I've advised three secretaries general. It's uh, an incredible uh and, and unique job being secretary general, all the problems come to you, uh, but all the uh, power resides with the, the major powers. Uh, and so he embodies international law. He embodies uh, the decisions made by the global community, but he can't enforce uh, any of those. Uh, that depends on the United States, uh, China, Russia, uh, UK, France, the permanent five members of the Security Council, uh, together uh, putting into practice the decisions that have been made by the global community, including the UN Security Council. But what he also noted is this is 56 years onward uh, of this occupation, and there is no two-state solution in prospect because uh, a significant part of uh, the Israeli politics led by uh, the current Prime Minister Netanyahu and a significant part of the U.S. politics that uh, supports Israel has never wanted it. Uh, and uh, certainly the current government in Israel doesn't want it. And so this impasse is not something uh, that uh, U.N. Secretary General can resolve. But what he is saying is that without a resolution of the underlying politics. There is no peace possible. You know, I think this is the main lesson that I see for Ukraine, for Israel and Palestine, and for so many other conflicts. A, a very, very famous 
saying uh, by the theorist of war, von Clausewitz, who, who his most famous saying is that war is the continuation of politics with other means. This is very important for people to understand. When you see conflict, it, this is not madness almost ever. It's politics. Uh, it's brutal politics, but it's a continuation of politics with other means. And what that means is that solutions are inevitably requiring politics. And that usually means diplomacy, uh, statecraft, not some unilateral military end all victory. But this is not the mindset, of course, uh, of uh, people in battle. And it's certainly not the American mindset. Our mindset is unconditional surrender of a foe. And uh, it, at some times in history that has happened, but in most times of history, it's a great illusion. And what we do in our discourse is deny any politics. We just like to say, oh, that's a, an evil attack. That's an evil person. We don't even try to explore the politics. In the uh, Israel-Palestine issue, there is underlying politics, by the way, that goes back 100 years. Right. Uh, very intense politics. I've spent most of my life... <laughs> you know, seeing it, uh, uh, absorbing it from both sides. Uh, but we don't want to talk about that. We want to say, okay, it's terror. Now we have to respond and we will crush uh, the opposition. No politics in that. Uh, and uh, similarly, the way we reacted in Ukraine or vis-a-vis -vis so many of our other crises. If you don't follow von Clausewitz, you don't get it. Uh, war is a continuation of politics with other means. My advice is understand the politics and try to resolve the underlying reasons for this violence. Professor Jeffrey Sachs, thank you very much for your time, particularly where you are and what you're doing. It's very much appreciated by me and by the many thousands watching us. Safe well, travels. to be with you. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thank Safe you. travels, my dear friend. Thank you. Wow, what a day. More as we get it. Tell your friends, like, subscribe. We're up to 207,000 uh, subscriptions. Our goal is 250,000 by uh, Christmas time. We're getting there. Thanks to you. Thanks for watching. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.